Appamata and its programs are supported by your generosity and your generosity and support makes such a difference. You can find a link for contributions on the website at appamata.org. Thank you. Welcome. It's so heartening to see a Zendo that's foolish. I'll call it full. And also a cloud Zendo that is also full. And so I'm so glad to see all of you online and also to see all of you in the Zendo. I deeply appreciate the effort that it took to physically arrive here and also the effort that it takes to zoom in and your presence matters so much. So thank you. Um, hello to the various um, Zendos of Apamata as well as to our present and online community who may be listening to this presently or at a later time. Today I was inspired actually by, um, some of you may know that I'm in a two-year um, Zen chaplaincy program uh, with Upaya Zen Center in Santa Fe, and um, I'm working on my final project now, which is due in November. And the project is um, basically, in a nutshell, um, me investigating um, how creative practice alleviates suffering. And so bringing together the intention of Buddhism to alleviate suffering and um, my own interest in creative practices. I'm a writer and um, sometimes I make art. And so in thinking about today's talk, I, was, I had um, ripped this article out of summer issue of Tricycle Magazine and then had kind of forgotten about it. But in thinking about today's talk, I actually thought it was a perfect offering. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, we're going to have fun. Um, you will need, um, folks here have paper and pen, but uh, for those of you online, um, take a moment to grab something to write on or write with. And of course you can use your computer, but um, I don't have a preference, but um, sometimes it's easier to uh, just write by hand. And we won't be writing a super long thing, so if you um, have, and it's, it's only for your eyes. So while they're doing that, um, I'll just give thanks to um, the uh, author of the article that offered the practice that I'm going to share with you. Her name is Reverend Grace Song. Um, what a beautiful name, Grace Song. Um, and she uh, practices in a Korean Buddhist tradition. And she's um, a young woman, uh, of course, um, increasingly most everyone is young to me, but she looks to be um, in her 30s-ish. Um, so you might want to check her out. She practices Wan Buddhism, which is, as I said, a Korean tradition. So um, looks like folks online mostly have their supplies. And so um, 
As many of you may know, you may have encountered this phrase, or it may be new to you, but it is definitely, if there is one phrase, or it's a long phrase, so we'll call it a compound sentence, that um, encapsulates our practice um, of Soto Zen Buddhism, which Akamada is in the tradition of, it's this directive by um, Master Dobin, um, a Zen priest who um, lived in the 1200s and who founded Soto Zen. And this translation is slightly different than the one that I'm familiar with, um, which actually kind of makes it new again. So watch any resistance you have to the difference in the translation or um, attachment to how much you love this one. Um, or whatever else. To study the Buddha way is to study the self. So that's what we do here. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be actualized by myriad things. To be actualized by myriad things, your body and mind, as well as the body and mind of others, drop away. No trace of realization remains, and this no trace continues endlessly. I'm going to read that last part again. Um, so you've got to study the Buddha way is to study the self. Um, to be actualized by myriad things, your body and mind, as well as the body and mind of others, drop away. No trace of realization remains. And this no trace continues endlessly. So hold that in your thoughts, let it go, or hold it near, whatever is your tendency. And um, we'll engage in this practice, which to me is um, very much what Dogen is asking us to do as we sit. It is studying the self. It is um, eventually forgetting the self. It is definitely um, the body and mind and the body of mind of others dropping away. And it is oddly um, an enactment of this no trace of realization remains and this no trace continues endlessly. So what we're going to engage in today is mindful journaling. And so if you're like me, um, you may have had a little, I think girls do this more and I'm not, I think it's a socialization. So I apologize in advance for the gender bias that I was raised with. Um, my little pink journal with um, a lock and key. And of course the, it didn't really lock at all. The key and lock were completely useless. Um, that I uh, wrote in my journal um, starting at the age of 12. I've actually kept a journal ever since. I have um, like a huge box of them and every now and then I go through and I put them in our burning um, like outdoor fireplace, which we haven't been, been able to use because it's been so dry for so long. So if you are interested, you can break into my backyard and see my past journals waiting to be <laughs> burned. There's something nice about just leaving them there in the fireplace um, where they just kind of molder until um, we can finally light a fire. And so um, for me, that kind of journaling was about um, ranting, um, yearning, um, recording my life um, from my 
limited point of view, but it didn't feel very limited. It felt right. And, um, and actually without much reflection, you know, it's sort of like, this is my story and I'm sticking to it. This is my journal and no one else is reading it. Um, that's a wonderful process. Not to see that, um, sort of venting is always helpful, um, to, um, you know, sort of get some of that energy out, um, so that you can be present in your life. But mindful journey, journaling is different. It's quite intentional. And so um, the way that Grace Song relates this practice is that there are three steps. And so you might want to jot these down. Um, the first is to write. So the first is to think of a situation in which, you know, in our language, um, your conditioning came up. In another language, it might be you felt reactivity. In another language, it might be, you're just pissed off. Um, something happened, it could be, um, let's not deal just yet with um, the big national, international things that are happening right now that may have pissed you off um, because we're, we're beginners. And in the beginner's mind, there's a lot of possibility, um, but let's keep it um, local. And so it might be something that happened on your drive on the way here. Someone cut you off. Um, it might be something that came up while you were sitting and you just kind of got lost. You know, maybe some childhood, you know, why, why does my dad keep saying that? Or your partner, um, what are they, what is their intention when they do this really stupid thing that bugs me? Why are they so like that? Um, so you've got the idea. Does everyone, does everyone, do you feel like you're able to come up with one of those situations? Is that clear? Just kind of nod or wave your hand if you're like, what is she talking about? Life's great. I have no gripes. Okay, good. So get your problem down. Make sure that it's kind of a localized one. And your first step, so that was the first step. The second step is to write the situation exactly as it happened, as if you were taking a picture or a little film. And so you're not going to do that right now. I'm going to give you some time to do that. Actually, maybe let's go ahead and do that right now since you're in it. Yeah. Are we also describing our reactions? Or not just, yet. Uh, no, just, just, this is just facts. There was a car. They cut me off. They should have seen me. They didn't have their turn signal on. And notice as you're writing, maybe what a challenge it is to not go into, um, you know, how you feel and your point of view and all that stuff. Um, just really, if you can, make this a photograph or a little movie of, um, include some sense, uh, some, some uh, senses. Maybe there's a smell, a sound, um, a temperature in the air, definitely a place. Right now, we're dwelling in the space of facts as, as much as we can tell them from our perspective. So see if you can come to the end of that part. 
And if you've come to the end, maybe take a notice to um, drop your gaze or close your eyes and just notice what's in your body. It may be energized in a certain place. There might be some tightness. Or there might be spaciousness because you're, you're getting this thing down. It doesn't matter, whatever, just noticing. Okay, so um, I'm really gonna cut you off if you wanna allow some space in your page to come back to this part. Um, you're welcome to. There's plenty of paper, and we might have to run and get some, but um, we're going to move on, if that's all right with you guys. And so the example that Grace offers is this. Um, I think it's from a student of hers. So this is um, uh, their, this person's uh, sort of problem situation. This is what they wrote down. When I made breakfast, I noticed my housemate had poured liquid from the remnants of a tuna salad all over the sink. He also left the dirty bowl and both had turned into a crust with a foul odor overnight. I felt a visceral sense of disgust with a desire to gag. Judgment arose with the thought, did his parents never teach him to clean the sink after each use? I was frustrated and mainly because we had an agreement to wash our dishes promptly and avoid leaving things overnight. I felt a great sense of gender inequity with him as a man being less diligent with housework. And so in this example, um, this writer went ahead and started going into their story. And so now that's what I'm going to invite you to spend just a few moments doing. So returning to your description, Allow that part of you that's got a story about this to go to town. And in this part, as you're writing about the thoughts or emotions that arose in this problematic situations, also seek to identify what was the trigger? Can you find like what flipped you? Sometimes we use the language, what is the story I'm telling myself? What is the story you're telling yourself about this situation? Do take a moment to check in. I love that the example used, you know, a larger framework, this gender inequity. So look to see, is there kind of a larger sort of ancient twisted karma framework that this problem is occurring in that maybe um, have fed your story or contributed to it? And so this might be a good time to check to see, um, there are gonna be two more sections. And I would say if you have almost a whole page, you're gonna be good, unless you're a big writer. Um, but if you find that you're gonna need another piece of paper, especially here in the Zendo, um, does everyone have enough paper? Okay, great. So the next section 
is um, I think what I'll do is share the example of what you just did. So the student observed and acknowledged um, their feelings of disappointment and frustration and also allowed for themselves that it was normal to feel this way. Everyone's had that situation where someone you live with has left the kitchen in some kind of disgusting dis disarray. I feel like everyone's had that experience. Um, if you haven't, you are a lucky person. Um, that may be the person who left the tuna fish in the sink. Um, and so this is what the student wrote. I paused and reminded myself, oh, excuse me, step three. So the next step is to reflect on what you've just written, just the situation from a sort of big picture perspective and the um, stories and emotional response that you experienced. So the third section is actually to offer yourself self-compassion and self-forgiveness and take a moment to notice any mistakes that you may have made either in your actions or thoughts, words or deeds, and set an intention to do better or differently in that situation. So this is the place where we've already analyzed a little bit from the initial rant. We've kind of figured out, okay, here's all the stuff that got tossed up in this situation inside of me. And so now's the time to kind of turn that inward um, introspection and that sort of flashlight of awareness to, okay, I want to offer compassion for these parts that got kicked up. And I also have the ability to forgive myself and offer myself compassion and begin to think about how's another way that this situation, if it arises again, what's another way it could go? And so again, sorry, that was a very long-winded way of saying the third part is self-forgiveness, self-compassion, mistakes, and intention for the future. Go. For many of us, if not all of us, this part is the hardest part. It's the part that you may have the least experience doing. And so as you're doing it, offering yourself compassion, forgiveness, also thinking about how things might go differently the next time and what your intention is for that. If you find that you're getting a little flooded or overwhelmed, just put your writing aside and breathe return to your practice. And whatever this part comes to conclusion for you, I invite you to again put aside your paper and pen and just come back into your own quiet stillness to notice the body first, the breath. Has anything changed? 
from when you were last sort of visiting your inside awareness. Just sort of noticing what, if any, impact bringing up this situation and visiting it in this way has had in your experience of your physical body. Let's begin finishing up. No need to look back on what you've written. You'll have time to do that in a few minutes. There's some things you want to make sure and say. Leave yourself a couple of keywords for notes so that you can return to this practice of mindful journaling later. So put aside your writing and your pen and just bring your awareness inside. Close your eyes or drop your gaze. First, <clears throat> offering ourselves self-compassion. It's so much easier to do that first kind of journal writing that I talked about at the beginning to just do a rant, tell our story, get it out. We just did something that most people have no interest in doing at all. And arguably, that's a great contributor to suffering in our world. And also some of those big things that we mentioned earlier that are happening at the national and international level. So we've done something difficult, so give yourself an inner cheer. Good job. Self-compassion is not something that most of us are offered, especially in, as children or in school, in our various institutions of work. but it is pretty core to this practice. And so really, as best you can, it may be difficult to receive self-compassion, but perhaps offering yourself the words that you would to a 10 or 12 year old child, your best friend, Just words of kindness. You're okay. Everything's going to be okay. You're doing the best you can. Great job. Noticing your body one last time, checking in with the breath. Any places that may have gotten tight in your body, the neck, shoulders, 
jaw. Any other places you notice tend to be habitually kind of where you tighten up. You can wiggle a little bit, let them fall away. And slowly open your eyes. And before we come together to share a little bit about what that experience was like, we're not going to, I'm not going to um, ask you to share the particulars of your situation unless you choose to or your problem. But I want to first share what this student wrote about this dish situation. So the student wrote um, first in the section about sort of um, self-compassion and looking at the situation in a more um, mindful way, um, the student wrote. And I will say the student it is revealed because of the gender inequity that the student's uh, female. Uh, I paused and reminded myself that we, my roommate and I, who was male, have different upbringings. And that for me, living at home as a child was filled with shouting, abusive language, and neglect based on how well or unwell I cleaned. Wow, what a like already beginning of a reframe of this disgusting tuna fish situation and all the anger and like stories that came up, which I really don't think this person got well enough into their stories about because I have plenty of stories about it for them. But already realizing, wow, cleanliness was a way that I got love as a child. And so when you, my roommate, leave a disgusting mess in the kitchen after we've already discussed this, I feel unloved. Wow, that's getting the pedal to the metal. Bravo then. Um, in forgiving him for his mistake due to ignorance, I'm extending an element of forgiveness that my child self would have needed. I'm like blown away. Um, already going to that story and that conditioning and then offering to our child selves something that we didn't receive, but yet is fueling our uh, reactive responses without us being aware of it if we weren't, if we hadn't sat down to do mindful journaling. Um, I reminded myself of all his efforts lately and his receptiveness to my request to take his hair from the drain after showering. There may be, <laughs> there may be inequity in our household dynamic due to gendered socialization. Again, so generous. Wow. Uh, but he is making an effort when I provide general feedback. So getting some factual information about this relationship. And so then the journal writer um, spent a moment thinking about um, making a resolution about how they might do better next time. I've made a note to check in with him about better managing dishes in our next housemate check-in. I cleaned the sink and bowl and continued my breakfast routine. I was so heartened to know that in this little household vignette that what could have gone so bad because I've lived that. And have you guys had a situation where it's like a small thing and it then becomes like World War III and you don't even know, how did this even happen? And like, how did I end up with such an awful person as my roommate or whatever the situation? The fact that this 
student using this practice was able to, in um, what would be here a couple of pages, get to a place of um, cleanness and potential for connection and hope in this relationship. Kind of in my mind, um, compared with, um, you have to move out. <laughs> this isn't working. <laughs> or I have to move out. Uh, I gotta find a new place. Um, so, um, yeah. So before we have some discussion, um, I invite you, if you would like to, you don't have to, you might be like, no, I'm done. Um, but you can um, look at what you wrote. You may have trouble reading it, that's okay. Um, but look back at what you wrote and now um, sort of just make some observations. Is there anything that, um, like this situation, you could have seen going a really different way? What, if anything, did this offer you? Did you find yourself in a different place than you might have gone without this sort of mindful journey, journaling opportunity? So take a look if you would like. And if you haven't already, I know when I looked at mine, I was kind of like, which is which parts? You may want to go back and um, just look and make some numbers in case you want to look at, okay, which part was the photograph? Which part was my stories? Which part was the reframe? And so for the conversation part, I wonder, Kim, would it make sense for me to switch to the room? Okay, I'll do that. And so I'm curious, um, anything new or different for you in, in terms of using this process in meeting, you know, life's problems? Do we get to see, do we get to see? Or the basic urban instead of yeah, uh -huh. there it is. Yeah, it's a speaker view, um, Maria. That makes sense. Hey, Joel's raised his hand. Oh, thank you. I can't see that. So, um, if you could let us know that, that's great. Go ahead, Joel. Size. It, it landed perfectly in the middle of something that I was that I woke up struggling with today. Uh, it has to do with a, a, a relationship with a male relative um, with whom I have a, a long history. I'm sorry. And can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we're fine. I'm just uh, making it different. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm long history. Uh, and um, he has recently reached out to me and offered to share in a in a friendly way uh, about um, some things like our gardens 
and I have a picture I took of some produce I picked this week, uh, but it's it's not a lot, and he's got a huge garden <laughs> and everything. But the but the real thing is that what it brings up in me and and what I feel really tight in me is uh, just a fear that I cannot rely on him to meet me as a peer, that he's always going to be one up to me and I will always be one down, you know, and that. Um, so I, you know, this exercise gave me a, a and the, the wonderful reflections from the person you were quoting from. That was wonderful. Um, gave me a chance to see what it felt like to model that for myself or to, 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 to respond to that model. And um, what, what I ended up with that was different was uh, a, a different intention or, or actually still being caught between two sides of the intention of being brave and going ahead and sharing what I have. And, and, and you know, if things go the way my story says they will go, then that's what happens, but, but maybe not. And then, you know, a continued opening can happen. But what, what was different for me was a realization that I could turn toward the protector part in myself that's, that is trying to save me from being hurt in the relationship. And instead of resenting that and saying, oh, you're, you know, I'm stuck, I, I have to get rid of this stuck part, thinking, wow, there's, there's, a, there's a part of me in there that, that really wishes the best for me. And, that I have, and that's a good thing to recognize instead of pushing it away. So that was, that's, that was the fruit of this activity for me, the harvest of the activity for me. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, John. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, I had a really hard time with the self-compassion. Hold on just a sec. I wonder if we're, how do you guys feel if I'm putting a mask on? And then whoever is speaking can take their mask off so that everyone can hear well. Is that okay with you guys? Um, let me say this differently. Is that not okay with anyone? And know that it's okay if it's not okay. <laughs> okay. So I had a really hard time with the self-compassion part. Um, when you were giving the kind of phrases that you, you know, good job. Those felt so superficial to me, um, and then I, I kind of moved into thinking, okay, self-compassion, and then I thought, where is this coming from? What I'm sort of stuck here and not doing something right. I'm sort of stuck in this place of needing self-compassion, but where is it going to come from? I'm not feeling you know, that um, Brahma Vihara of you know, radiating something outside of myself. That's, I was sort of looking for something outside of myself because it didn't seem like myself had that capacity. I really appreciate you bringing that up because that's the reality for many people. And I think here are my thoughts, and partly they're informed by knowing you. I'm thinking that self-compassion might be 
I wonder what it would be like for you to go in your mind to times when you feel really rooted and grounded in animus. And so for you, that might be um, when you're working in your garden, when you're doing something or creative, I mean, just knowing you, sewing, the flower arranging, the things that you do, so knitting, the things that you do so beautifully and without what appears to be any, um, it just seems to be your natural expression. Um, and look for in those moments where, and maybe compassion isn't the right word for you, maybe it's just self-kindness, mm. maybe it's self-gentleness, or maybe it's just a softness. Um, but I think that in those places where whatever activity or place, sometimes for me, it's like, it sounds really shallow, but it's what I'm wearing. Um, they're, they're sometimes when I wear boots in particular, I feel like super grounded and connected to the earth. And I think it's just, I know I can, you know, run and play and climb in ways that as a child, I was very overly girlified, um, I couldn't do. And so, um, so how does that sound? Just kind of checking into the places where you are naturally you, like you feel you. Well, I really resonated with what you were saying about maybe compassion isn't the right word. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's more acceptance hmm. and then the kindness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That some, more than just the acceptance, but the saying, this is sufficient. Yeah, yeah. And sufficient is nice, but I'm wondering if you could go so far as good. This is good. <laughs> this is good. That's not like this is perfect, but this is good. I'm good. This is good. So a practice that many of us can work on. Um, thank you so much for sharing that and yourself. We have Shinev online for when you're ready for her Robin. Awesome. Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> um, so this was really interesting. Um, a couple of things really stood out. One is when you first had us do sort of a body scan, I was alarmed. You know, I really felt like about anger in my chest and, and the desire to yell and the desire to like punch. And I was like, whoa, that's, I didn't realize I was doing all that. And then the example I chose was when I ordered groceries delivered based on something I really needed, almond milk, and then they came without that. And I had, I had okay, made let's it. I'll just go, oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. And could and, you lean a little bit closer to wherever your mic is? We can hear you fine. Just a little, um, we can hear you a little bit better, I'm sure. How is this? Um, it's okay. Huh, I'm surprised. Uh, I think Kim is going to check with the volume, but we can hear you. It just isn't as loud as my aging ears might enjoy. All right, I'll speak up. That's perfect. Okay, so like all of us, you made an order and the one thing you actually needed didn't come. Yeah, and it's what I put in my coffee, almond milk. So it's, you know, tied up with an addiction. And I have... <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's that. And then I have lots of health issues that 
like really prohibit me from going out shopping because then I can't get anything else done. So um, I, so I realized that I hadn't looked at the bigger picture. All I had come away from that with was self-judgment of the way I behaved, which was snarly. And I'm like, this is the biggest thing. I don't want to be snarly in the world. That's not, you know, that's antithetical to, you know. And then um, doing this, I realized that I was really coming from a place of feeling like I had no agency. And then I was dependent on this person and I was helpless. And then she did it. And I had put in the instructions, replace it with you know anything. And she's like, well, I didn't know what you wanted. And I'm like, it said anything, <laughs> like anything. Um, and, but when, when I looked at it, I realized that well, I got to a place where I felt a lot of compassion for both of us. So these two women facing each other, both really frustrated and, and uncertain how to have that conversation. And, um, and I realized that ironically, um, my belief that I had no agency locked me into having no agency. So it, can, it, it, it amplified my experience of being helpless and then my frustration and resentment about that and resentment towards her because she can go and you know, move heavy things and blah, blah, blah. And um, you know, I could have, you know, in theory, if had I been able, taken a moment, calmed down and then calmly explained why it was important, asked you know, what happened and then asked, asked Instacart to deliver, you know, almond milk without a delivery fee. Like I could have taken agency of that, in that situation. And instead I just ended up feeling even worse because I can't even control my own self. Right. So the two things that I, that I realized were really locking me into this experience that was so upsetting was one, my belief that I'm disempowered. So I didn't think of calling Instacart because I already knew there was nothing I could do. I was helpless, right? And secondly, um, focusing all like focusing entirely on self-judgment as the only thing that came out of that whole experience, you know, just made me feel even less like I have agency, like I couldn't even, you know, have a decent conversation. But I also wanted to say, you said at one point that this, you know, this was a way to to feel clean. And, you know, when I first did the body scan, I explained that the second time I wrote, my body feels clean and clear and calm. The anger in my body earlier is gone. So it was really, uh, it, it was like sort of like a, a magical formula, a function, a mathematical function that produces liberation. You know, it's, um, it was really helpful because yeah. this is actually, it's a little thing, right? A grocery delivery, but it, it really was tapping into my, my macro experience of myself in the world and the hardest thing for me, which is to literally be limited, but to not feel, not make myself more limited than I need to be. Yeah. Janelle, thank you so much for sharing that example. And I want to um, lift up a couple of things that you said that I think, um, I'm going to go on a limb and say are true for each and every one of us human beings. Um, one is that when we're caught in a story in our mind, that also limits our ability to have new possible actions. So it's like the story we're telling ourselves in our mind 
is cutting off um, a whole world of what unknown possibilities um, that we can't see. I mean, we literally can't see. And then um, the other was um, the thing that builds on that, which is um, the self, um, you know, for some people it may be the self, I can't remember the word you use, but self-judgment. Um, self-judgment, or it might be some other um, flavor, but it's the thing that is kind of the next thing that happens is this the ruminating sort of, um, I'm going to use this word that I don't even like, but I can't think of another word, um, a ruminating reification, or like ruminating solidity, like we ruminate to make the story stronger, and then we forget about the story, and then we're just left in the ruminations, and so now we're so far away from the possibilities of actually addressing the crusty tuna fish in the sink that there's literally no possibility of um, having a clean um, meeting with the other person or with the problem. So thank you, Jeanette. Um, it is time for us to wind down. I want to close um, first with thanking all of you for engaging in this process because I know it's not easy and that's our practice, right? And so, um, but I want to end with that wonderful Dogen quote because when I returned to it after doing this practice, I heard it in a whole new way. So, feel free to close your eyes so you can just listen. If possible, listen as if you have never heard this before. To study the Buddha way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be actualized by myriad things. To be actualized by myriad things, your body and your mind, as well as the body and mind of others, drop away. No trace of realization remains, and this no trace continues endlessly. 